Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Varney and... Neglio. Yeah. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. We may not be a good podcast, but at least we match. You know, for all you know, I had a, a traumatic experience, and all you can do is mock, 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 you don't even know, you don't even know, wait, you're going to feel so bad, no, you won't, it's fine. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which me and my buddy Mike, we talk about David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. Uh, wow. Uh, oh, uh, this week, we're up to season seven, episode two. Convictions, uh, very excited about it. We have a huge show for you today, but first we must address the uh, the nose in the room. I, I was going for solidarity, mm-hmm. so like, sure if it was it was funny, it was funny. But if it was traumatic, I was like, I was standing with you. Mm-hmm. So well, I'll tell you uh, what, what's going you go on with your nose? Let's start the show with the most important, uh, interesting part of the show. Uh, why don't we roll that oopsie cat content, and I'll tell you a story. Oh, I love it! We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We failed! It's time to give the world what it was! Meow, meow! Hot cat content! Meow, meow! Hot cat content! Meow, meow! Hot cat content! Meow! Ooh, I am so excited now that I know this might be cat-related. I love it. So I think we mentioned it last week on the show. We've had a, a, a tumultuous week. Uh, my little kitty's brother tragically passed away under anesthetic for just his uh, neutering. So shout out to my um, mother-in-law. That's really, really sad. Really sad. Um, also, then my sister's, one of her pair of kittens, uh, developed this really weird cat coronavirus. Not a joke. And uh, it's apparently a really, like, fluke thing, and they had to put him down. So it was, like, really sad cat week to start. So I just want to send my best wishes out to my sister and my mother-in-law. Like, that's losing a, a, a buddy and a pet is always terrible. Oh, it's um, crushing. It's devastating. So, Keith, you know, the good news that my career is in a free fall uh, as far as performing on camera and on stage, the good news mm-hmm. of that is that I don't actually have to be seen by the public very often now, since we both work from home also, and I don't have to go right. outside and do anything. The you, you don't, you only... don't consider our, our listener the public? Well, hold on. The one and okay. only thing I have to do on a weekly basis, or there's two shows we do, is just pop on and do a Skype with you, and then we and put it on, on the internet. And, and thus far, though, uh, our fluctuation in appearance has been... Uh, uh, 
upsetting. Wide, abrupt, upsetting. There are plenty of adjectives. <laughs> uh, luckily, we've n- we've ne'er been deformed. <laughs> so this morning, I go. Could you actually leave the door open next time, honey? It's, it's getting it's really warm in here. Uh, it's very hot in the office. The computer oh, is rocking a nice graphics card, but it is uh, it pumps out some heat. So anyway. This morning, I'm giving love to my middle cat, Dee Dee, who has had a transformation. He has become such a lovely cat, but he still does have, uh, he, he doesn't control some reflexes. So I put Aggressive my face a, tendencies. Yeah. I put my face a little too close, Keith, and I've been cut up on the arms. I've been, I had an accident this week on my shin. I, I, I'm bloody everywhere because of the cats, but yeah. ne'er has it come so close. Oh, right down right Broadway. In the middle. Right in the middle. I mean, that is a, <laughs> that one is, so I was like, well, I, what should I do for the podcast? And what I've decided to do is do a reveal and just, it is what it is, I guess. No, uh, we should just, let it ride. Just know that my cat fucked me up today. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm hoping that I, I, you can't even come up with a better story. Like there's, you don't get a little scratch. You don't get like a nose long, nose just like scratch. straight down. <laughs> it was perfect. God bless him for aim. So, That's very uh, impressive. So my challenge to everyone on the podcast today is Jen brought me Neosporin, which I will now. You know what? I will. <laughs> I will apply on air. Ooh, we're getting a live Neosporin on air. <laughs> very exciting. Take oh care God. of yourself, guys. Clean your wounds. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I. So while we're at it, let me tell you this. Although I'm not. Wait, I'm not. I'm wearing. Uh, you know what? I'll, how could I show this? I'll show it on screen. The other thing I did today was. I've been working out, Keith. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> well, and like my brother just put in my like workout notes. He's like, you should do some like explosive movements. So I was like, I'm gonna do some box jumps. You know how like you watch the CrossFitters <laughs> do like squat and jumps. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But sure. I don't have any of those in our little old person gym, so I've been using the curb outside. But it's like a it's like a wall. It's probably three feet, right? Well, old guy, uh, mm-hmm. biffed it, totally missed, and I smashed my shin so hard it is bloodied if i was wearing pants i would show you but i'm not so for me to show you the wound right now would be um upsetting we, more upsetting than I, what you're gonna I, I think we can all do without seeing pantsless mike that's yeah. i i anyway, think uh, back to very the few things that our audience is unanimous on but i think that's right. one of them anyhow uh it's been uh i've done damage to myself i've never felt older than i feel this week uh but uh, all the my cats are doing well. Uh, they except for the um, the uh, attempt at my life that was taken. Yeah. So so enjoy spending the rest of the episode trying not to stare directly at my shattered nose. Oh yeah, no for sure. Well, it, ironically and uh, serendipitously in its own weird way, uh, I'm also rocking a scratch hey. from uh, from Charlie. So last night, as as I said on the the podcast before, he's afraid to come upstairs. At night, unless I, like, show him that there are no monsters upstairs. Upstairs, upstairs? Or just, like, uh, away from the basement? No, just upstairs on the on the second floor, where the bedroom is. And and so, like, I have to, every night, I, like, the last thing I do is I take him home, like, no monsters, and then he can sleep on the bed and, you know, run around and do his usual things. But this time, uh, we were... There was a monster, because... It, it, I forget, Jillian was, like, doing something, and she was somewhere I wasn't expecting her to be, and I was holding him, and I got startled. Then he got startled, and he was in my hand, so I have a matching scratch there on my hand. That we looks like a puncture both, wound, almost. 
we both have bloody scratches on us from our beloved cats. Uh, so there you are. And folks, that is your Oops Cat content. Uh, we have to move forward. We, we have a lot of things to talk about. We should, we, you know, I, I, I want to talk fantasy football and all that, but we'll do it off the air uh, because uh, we have a big show. It's a packed show. And uh, we're going to start it off because we have some really interesting uh, things I'm going to read cold. Called Filings and Subpoenas. Filings oh. and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Okay. Well, let us begin, of course, with uh, how we begin every week on our filings and subpoenas with our uh, with our fine and dear moderator, Phoenix Cage. Who has a couple of a uh, couple of comments here? Uh, first off, he says, "Before anybody puts in an offer for seventy thousand, I feel like I have to point out that no matter how bad things get at KME Entertainment, you cannot sell the CEO." Uh, which uh, I last week I forget exactly what the, when when were you proposing selling your wife for seventy thousand? I forgot. I think I was just using the the rule of thumb that the show proposed that seventy thousand was a good ransom. I can't remember even the the plot point, but that was the number I remember vividly. No, remember that the, the the woman abducted the baby. Oh, the baby's she was, an adult she was paying now. him off for seventy thousand. She's paying him like, off for seventy thousand. Yeah, like so sorry for abducting your baby. You don't get it back, but here's some cash. But pay off your student loans. I mean, yeah, just oh, oh. That, that, I, for sure. I mean, it is definitely a better financial proposition. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, I enjoyed getting the text from Jen said, I, at least I know what my price is. I know exactly to the dollar, how valuable I am to my husband. Uh, so Phoenix also last week, I told the story of arriving in New York city, which was, uh, a big day and was a disaster. And Phoenix has a story of his own to tell. And he says, Keith, your story about moving to New York is similar to my story of moving to San Francisco. While not quite as catastrophic as yours, my first week was just as interesting. At 23, I drove across the country with a U-Haul trailer attached to my Toyota Corolla. Having just graduated, I was going to San Francisco for grad school. I arrived without an apartment or any friends. I spent a week staying in various youth hostels without an apartment or any friends. Jeez. Uh, oh, oh, wait. <laughs> I read it wrong. That's pretty funny either way. I spent a week staying in various youth hostels around town while begging and bargaining to find enough space to park my car and trailer mm. within a mile of lodging. Yeah, hear that. On my first night there, I was walking from my car to the youth hostel in the Presidio when I interrupt, interrupted a raccoon digging through a garbage can. Except uh. it wasn't a raccoon. That was when I learned that San Francisco's version of raccoons were city-dwelling skunks. We startled each other and ran in opposite directions. I sprinted all the way to the hostel. It turns out I probably wasn't at much risk. Skunks in San Francisco are so accustomed to people that they're rarely worth spraying. That we are rarely worth spraying. I imagine that's why hardly anyone outside of the Bay Area knows there are so they are so common there. I Interesting. Did not. Before I left Toledo, 
I found a new site specifically made for San Francisco called Craigslist. <laughs> I used it to find some apartment prospects that I spent the first week into investigating. I ended up settling in a place in the quiet Sunset District. It was on the third floor and only two blocks from the beach. Wow, I could, I could see the ocean from my window. This was my first time seeing the Pacific Ocean. I went on long walks by the water every evening. The sunset is a special part of the city because it is regularly enveloped by ocean clouds. I feel like we've detoured thickest... into like a dating sim here. It's like I enjoy long walks along the Pacific, <laughs> moderating non-listened-to podcasts. Yeah, well, you know, all right, I'm going to do the rest of this, uh, you know, dating voice. It is the thickest fog you've ever seen. You know what? I think, I think I'm going to abort that and ask you not to do that. My first month in San Francisco was pretty magical. But soon after, I would trade my place by the water for one that was closer to everything and right in the heart of the city. I lived there in the Mission District for the next two years. That was uncomfortable for us all. Uh, no, but I think that's that's interesting. Boy, that's a good apartment, San Francisco. I can't imagine what that would cost today. An apartment where you could see the ocean in San Francisco. Uh, the most expensive place to live in the world. And lastly, he says, I hate to put a cloud over the happy little video you dug up, but the whole recycling campaign came from companies that manufactured the junk that ended up in the ocean. I did mention that. It is. It was all a clever way of passing on the responsibility to the consumer so they wouldn't have to put in the time and money to make their dot, dot, dot. But guess what? There is no show more. He wrote the dot, dot, dot. That's fine. Listen, I will say... Uh... I think that everyone listening knows, and if you don't know, I'm about to tell you, but there was mm. the briefest of times around this time period, actually, maybe a little earlier, where like uh, Al Gore and the public school system was able to actually like capture the zeitgeist mm -hmm. of being kind to the planet and maybe like making an effort to try to revert the irreversible damage that we've done. Uh, what we have come, and, and I think that as far as the public is concerned, and this is not the corporations, as far as the public is concerned, I think that that was a good faith belief and effort amongst those who were trying to make a difference. And I think that that continues uh, for the most oh, part. Sure. However, what we've come to find, and I think it's not a shocker to anybody, is that that was all bought, paid for, and sold by the people creating the pollution to right. uh, kind of like be a self-sustaining ecosystem. That's the crazy thing is that to this day, Keith, both of us put our recycling out, right? Oh, and ninety uh, percent of that recycling is just going into the garbage. Yeah, of course it is. But I, you know, it it, it is very depressing. Yeah. That said, I'm not gonna. I would never stop doing it because five percent is better than zero percent. But but yes, no. The uh, uh, yeah. What do you know? Corporate America is uh, you know uh, evil and duping us all. What a shocker! All right. Well. Let us move forward from that cheery topic. Like we're still, you know, recycling in recycling in your storylines and writing causes no waste. So uh, we're a big waste, fan. Waste of waste of time, perhaps. Eh, we clearly don't care about wasting our or anybody else's time. <laughs> Nair, have I been closer to a spit take, and then had a conversation with myself that was like, "Oh, for the comedy, that'll be really great if it if you follow through." But for mm -hmm. the disaster financial fallout of the tech you ruin wow that, so that I, shows I, a, shows some maturity there see you come on in you haven't been on the pod in a while 
Jen! Nope. Come on. Keith says, come on. Come on. <laughs> Say hi. It's never going to do it. Hey, Jen. Woo! Hi, Phoenix. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> what do How's you think it going? Mike's, what do you think of Mike's wound? It is uh, hilarious. <laughs> and you don't know this yet because you haven't watched. I have a matching one. No. On my hand. Oh, my. From Charlie Jr.? Yeah, from last night. <laughs> Guys, we're off the rails. We're jumping the shark. Oh my we gosh. Are, All right. Good we're to such see you, good Pete. cat dads. It's great to see you. I can't wait to hang out soon. All right. We have been talking about coming over. I've yeah, yeah we your, to, part, we, your neighborhood like three times in the past week. Yeah, we need to set that up. All right. Anyway, whew, I said we were going to move quickly because we have a lot, but uh, it's not going to happen. It just, just roll with us. It's just what we do. All right. So, uh, guess what? We heard from Jorge Navoa. Jorge, Very, I have been concerned. He says in the so first happy. sentence, he's like, hey, uh, sorry, I hope you haven't been concerned. I have been. Glad to hear from you. Hope you're well. Can't wait to hear what you have to say. Yes. So, uh, excellent. He's got he's got a lot here. And as usual, it's cold. So, I don't know what he's going to say. It's going to be exciting. Do you want me to cold read it? Sure. You, do you have it? I do. Yeah. All uh, right. Yeah. Okay. So, Mike's going to cold read it. Maybe this was a bad idea, but keeps it fresh. <laughs> okay, well, we've heard we heard from a founding sponsor, friend of the show, Jorge Navoa. Uh, he has a problem with brevity; he admits it. So uh, I'm going to skim through and, and give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, no, hey guys, give know, a, he he, he gets everything. Come on, hey guys, Jorge's the founding sponsor. Word for you word, he gets. Are you going to keep talking over me, or can I read this email? <laughs> Jesus. Hey guys, I know you it's been without... a Last week, you had a lot to say about Eleanor's character. You not liking her behavior is totally valid. It's your podcast, after all. I put that part in. However, oh. saying it was inconsistent that you don't know that woman, well, pulls out Dusty File from the archives. <clears throat> if you recall, in the season three episode premiere, Eleanor advised her drunk Bobby Ramming client to chug alcohol out in the open, and it blew up in her face. In mm -hmm. front of everyone. So when Rebecca announced that she passed the bar that same day, how does Eleanor react? Well, she rolls up in her unwelcoming wagon, giving Rebecca the shittiest, most brilliant congrats, you're a lawyer speech ever. Mm. Let's face it. Why Ellie is wounded, she is petty. Always has been. She hasn't shown that side in years. And there's a reason for that. Like Eugene's unrelenting need to see the law as black and white. To me, Eleanor's biggest character flaw is directly connected to her career. Hmm. During the trial of George Volgeman, who, by the way, is not a serial killer, as he has only murdered one woman, Eleanor offered up Helen's off-the-record comments as evidence in open court. Everyone in the firm attacked her, rightfully so, and she got defensive, yet she made it personal only with Lindsay accusing her of sleeping with the professor. Yeah, she does have, yeah, I guess that's consistent. As a lawyer, she's brilliant. Since overturning Stuart Donovan's conviction, she's been on a roll. And we all agree, physically, she is stunning. But as a woman, she's always had low self-esteem. So when she doesn't do well in her career and other women around her do, especially the pretty ones... Remember when she wanted to represent the asbestos clients and the partners voted against them? Eleanor didn't attack the men. She went after Lucy. You're dating a basketball player. Doesn't his head come up to his, you know, knee? And then Lindsay again, giving us the infamous line, this is what happens to a woman when you insert your penis? Oh, yeah. Hmm. All that to say, I think it's very much in her character to react the way she did with Jamie, the new, the new lawyer, Mike. Jamie's the new hot lawyer. <laughs> 
<laughs> when Eleanor's off her game, the claws come out. It's an ugly yet very understandable flaw. Personally, I think it gives her more layers. Otherwise, she wouldn't be, well, perfect. I'm not sure it's a David E. Kelly sexist thing because she's the only one of the women who behaves that way in this show. Ally McBeal is a- another story. Of course, I want her to own her confidence, but isn't that what season finale, what final seasons are for? Hmm. Uh, we have a P.S., Keith, and I'm just going to read it. I can always cut it, it later. Uh, P.S., of course, all of this has been the opinion of yet another man. Indeed. And I have no problem taking a step back if other women agree with your assessment. But this does remind me of Viola Davis's uh, opinion on the black characters in The Help, which I'm sure you know was written by a white woman. Mm-hmm. She had only one complaint. The maid servants were too kind. They politely accepted their place in life and were very respectful to their employers. Neither the book nor the script captured the anger, the vitriol, the hatred that they would have had towards these white women if they were asked. I know it's not the same thing, but it thought it was worth bringing up. Yeah, that's a that is a very good point, and I and I think I think Jorge, you're you're 100 right about uh, this is consistent with with Eleanor, and I think perhaps I. I filter it out because I don't like this characteristic of Eleanor and I want to like her so much. But but you're right. It it is a very understandable and reasonable character flaw and our characters aren't designed to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh interesting. I you know what you know what I think it is? I don't mind this as a character flaw. What I mind is it being done in sort of a shorthanded and hacky way. That I, I think I think there is a more subtle, more um, realistic way to depict this exact character flaw. That I I think that's what's missing is yeah, how it's being written. I think that what Jorge brings up that's that that is important to what for us to remember because I think often you and I double down on our soapbox. That's uh, uh, trying to fight the good fight, we think. But the, the truth is, is that, and, and we put the, a lot of the blame on David E. Kelly, and the truth is, is that I think that in giving it the benefit of the doubt and in its, in its best, in the best light, what he's trying to do with this portion of Eleanor's character is hold a, hold a, hold a mirror up to all the girls and women in America who aren't the super pretty ones who aren't getting ahead because they're super pretty or getting the benefit of the doubt because they're super pretty or, and it's just saying it, it's, it's thinking it's standing up for them. And I think what your, your trouble is, is that often it's done in a way that makes them look petty or ugly. Um, and I, and I don't disagree. I think that both of these opinions are mutually exclusive and can exist at the same time. And, uh, but I, but I do get what, what, Jorge is saying. This also brings to light both of these wonderful emails uh, that we do enjoy hearing from you. So if you are not a founding sponsor or you're listening late or catching up, please do write in. Even if it's for episodes from 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 before, like don't be afraid. You don't have to be caught up because it, it is fodder for better conversation. And Keith and I have proven ourselves not only ill-prepared, but often uh, ignorant to some more valuable opinions on these subject matters, and especially for myself, I'm I'm reacting in real time, so it's I don't get the op- opportunity to uh, really revisit some of these thoughts. Uh, but yes, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. I I I I love it. Thank you, Jorge, for writing in. Write in all the time, and uh, whenever you want. Anybody else can. And Mike, if if people were to write in, how would they do it? 
Well, Keith, they only have to look at the screen right now if you're on YouTube. And if you're not on YouTube, guess what? I have vocal cords, so I will tell you. You can Ooh. write us that email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Or, hey, guess what? Maybe you're not doing the emails these days. Too many emails. So mm. you're on the social medias. At Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook or Instagram, you can comment, you can post pictures, you can tag us, do whatever you'd like. Hey, while you're on the YouTube, give us a like. Smash that bell icon, as the kids say. Uh, it helps the algorithms. It helps us get seen by more than just, you know, you. And uh, you can help us out. Yeah, well, there it is. Okay, well, we are going to jump into... Uh, what should be a very interesting time machine journey all the way back to October 6th, the year 2002, the day that this episode aired, and answer life's eternal question, Mike, what was going on? This day in the basement. Well, Keith, I have to talk about something, and it's... I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's pretty important to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to bring it up last week, but in real time, I was sort of freaking out. Um, uh, it's not its not huge. It's not a huge deal, but I, I do want to bring it up. First things first. We were talking about Kelly Clarkson last year, and I had a very vivid recollection of watching the season finale of... American, American Idol, Idol. <clears throat> season one in real time in my apartment in Brooklyn with my girlfriend Jason, uh, my girlfriend Caitlin, <laughs> and my roommate Jason. Probably should have been the other way, to be honest. Yeah, probably. Uh, because she was she was so overwhelmed by the finale. She was like weeping, and I was like, uh, it's, I didn't know you were so invested. And she's like, I just want... It was beautiful and, and funny at the same time. She's like, I just want confetti. And <laughs> in... At the time, me and Jason were like, it was very funny. But the, what I think what she was, the sentiment she was expressing was just like, we were at a point in our lives where we're like, I just want the celebration. I want to win the nymph. Like, what is, when is my break going to happen? Right. I think mm -hmm. what Kelly Clarkson in that first season captured of America. Of course, she was saying this it. at what, like 22? Yeah. Well, when uh, am I finally going to get my break? I'm 22. I've been doing this for six months. Well, I don't know if it was like a, a, a lament so much as a well. We moved to New York. We're in. Yeah. But Keith, what, what, what the the point I'm missing is that what that made me realize last week, and I've had a chance to really consider and go through some files and stuff. I skipped an entire year of my life. What on this podcast? I skipped an entire year of my life. I didn't move. I didn't start Forever Plaid in 2002. All of that happened in 2003. I am still in school. I was in school. AMDA was a two-year program. I, I I graduated in a year. I put myself on the accelerated course. Keith, I'm still in New York. We're in New York together. <laughs> I'm living in Harlem still. You're you just moved, so now we neighbors. Yeah. Okay. And what did I actually do in October? Because I remember now. And I went back and <laughs> you I checked. Skipped that entire year. I did. So that's why I like. It's good that the VCR. I still have time. I got time to get the video. You know, I don't you did the to... same thing I did with sports ball. I was giving a year later hockey. Yeah, I was like, how was it? I definitely wasn't in Rochester for not for for seventeen months with Forever Plaid, but it, so that's why it's all that happens next summer, and I only move home for like a few weeks, and then I get Plaid. It, like saved my life. Anyway, Keith, 
me and Kaylin and Jason, that crew that lived in this Harlem apartment that watched American Idol together, in October or November, I believe it was October because it was uh, right before it got very cold, we went to see an opera at City Opera with free <gasps> tickets from AMDA, and I'm going to pass it to you now because I believe we have a similar story. We both oh. went to see the same opera. No kidding. Yes, indeed. That is awesome. Okay, so what, what I was doing, I'll, I'll just go straight there. So this was... Uh, again, my first couple of weeks in the city, my roommates had moved in, and uh, my roommate Jenny started a job. She she is Jen. She I'm the only one in the world who calls her Jenny, and she hates it. It's been she probably probably now she would. It's been like 25 would, years, and yeah, she, she probably now hates would me. hate it even more. Probably, I don't know. She's she's got a life, and she's an adult, and living a much more interesting life than we are. Anyway, uh, so she started working in her first job. We were all starting our first jobs there. Uh, telemarketing for the City Opera in New York City. Now, City Opera, uh, I don't even know if it's still in operation. But right next they, to the... I think so. I don't, they may not be in the same theater, but right next to the Metropolitan Opera is another opera house, and that's where City Opera played. And City Opera did more sort of new works, more contemporary stuff. It was younger performers. Um, it was definitely not like the minor leagues. It was still very much the major leagues, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't the Met. Anyway, so they were doing a, uh, a new opera called Dead Man Walking, an adaptation of the book and the movie and uh, with a by composer uh, Jake Heggie and libretto by Terence McNally, the playwright. And uh, I uh, and so because she got free tickets because she worked there, we all went and I sat in the second row and watched Dead Man Walking the opera, which apparently Nude you people. also saw. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember is that there, we were like, nude people. They were, yeah. So the opening scene in our second row, there were naked people. And for 22-year-old Keith, this was very exciting. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, it's also exciting for 41-year-old Keith because mm-hmm. I'm still 14. Uh, but anyway, I loved the opera. I thought it was really good and really moving. Uh, ended up seeing a fair amount of them there. What I thought was really interesting about it uh, that I recall was I think it was the first time I had seen an opera or first or second time I'd seen an opera not in a foreign language. You know what I mean? Mm. In English. Yep. <clears throat> and what I, I what I I know this sounds really silly probably, but I never studied this so much opera. Mm-hmm. Uh initially I that's what they placed we've been there. So I always thought that the sort of opera sound, the placement of vowels, the shape of vowels, the openness of opera singing was mm-hmm. was in was due in part to the language. Right. right. So hearing right. English spoken spoke sung in right. that in that fashion made me sort of understand that opera is a technique. Opera is a mm-hmm. is a is a is different. Because the truth if to it interestingly I think if you were to listen to an English opera like this, like Keith just played, you still have to really tune in to understand phonetically what people are saying because because oh, yeah. consonants are not really the 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 lead characters in opera. Uh, sometimes it's hard to know what people are saying. Well, this is why at school I 
we took four languages, you know, we took, took Italian, but then Italian diction, singing diction. And then we took German and German singing diction. And we took French and French singing diction. And our senior year, we took English diction. Uh, although most of us were, English, were, were native speakers, but operatic English, the, the vowel placement, the diction, it's all very different. Um, and so, and, and you're, you hear it in a, in a, an opera in English. Um, so it definitely like, you can tell immediately we're not on Broadway. We're not, you know, it was just a, we're on, on Broadway in musical theater, your objective is to make the vowels and the consonants be as close to how you would speak it as you can, uh, for the, for the, uh, objective of being understood it's very very important whereas with opera it's about the sound first and the diction you know and the and the understand intelligibility of the words second um but if you're watching an opera in english especially if it was originally in english it's really weird to hear like puccini in english it's bad don't do it just sing it in time uh but in here, you really just have to, it takes about 10 minutes, and then you're used to it. And then you're living in that world, and it doesn't feel jarring. Um, even though, in this particular opera, it was set in contemporary times, dealing with contemporary issues. And so, there were references to contemporary music in the score. Um, I thought it was great. I actually really liked this one. Um, and uh, in a couple of... I don't know, I don't know if it's this year or next year, I'll also see the opera version of Little Women which I thought was amazing, um, especially considering it was like a couple weeks later I saw the Broadway adaptation of Little Women, and I was like, eh. So, uh, anyway, it's so interesting that we are both at the same opera. Uh, just for for the better podcast's sake, uh, the mm -hmm. city, opera, city, city Opera of New York City is still uh, operating, and mm -hmm. they will come back out of the pandemic. Interesting synchronicity, as our word is, our, our podcast word, they will open up January 22nd of 2022 with a co-production, a production of The Garden of the Fincy, Cotinis, Cotinis uh, world premiere uh, by uh, Ricky Ian Gordon and Michael Corey. Mm. Uh, but it will be, it's a co-production that will be taking place at the National Yiddish Theater Volksbühne. Really? Yes. So I don't, I don't, based on but the... That's a smaller venue than City very, Opera was. Very, very small, smaller venue. <laughs> uh, From I still, it does still operate out in Lincoln Center at times. If you, if you're, if you're looking at the iconic picture of the Met, uh, yeah. then on your right is where City Opera uh, usually performs. I don't. I, I on think your so. left, on your left is City Opera. On uh, your right is Avery Fisher. Yes, correct. Which is, uh, or also, what, what else? What's that school over there? Uh, you know, the one for talented people. Juilliard. That's the one. Yeah. Hey, psh, I, I, we were, I just I said we were I, number one. Juilliard I, was number three when I was there. Suck my balls. Anyway. I was busy. I was very busy. Juilliard came knocking, but they couldn't. Uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, just a couple other news and notes for me. Uh, I was starting my first job, which was a temp job. I started with a temp agency because Lord knows I needed money bad. And my first temp job was at WebMD. Hmm which uh, still exists, and actually one of my good friends still works for WebMD. And uh, it was really interesting, because my first job in New York City, it was on like 30th, 30th Street and 8th Avenue, so it was right down there in the mess of it. And uh, I was covering for a woman who was out on maternity leave, 
but her first week, she was still there. So they just put me in front of a computer and said, just hang out. And so for the first week that I was there, I sat in front of a computer for eight hours with literally nothing to do. And uh, Those are the best so, temp jobs. Uh, it, was, it was fine. It was boring, though. I, I started writing a, a novel well before I actually started doing it for real. So somewhere somewhere in the world exists like 30 pages of a novel that will never happen. <laughs> uh, it was a good concept. Anyway, uh, so that's what I was doing. And I was only about a week from starting what would become, at least for me, an iconic temp job at NYU. You stayed at the me- in the medical universe, didn't you? I stayed there and uh, at the NYU Medical Center. And for those of you paying attention at home, yes, that is the job that is uh, from the from the uh, experience. Award-winning. The award-winning show, I Got Fired. That was the job I got fired from and then turned it into a musical and flew across the world to win some freaking trophies. All right. Anyway, let us move <laughs> forward for the love of god i'm a human being god well, no it. no time out my life has you skipped so many things oh my god i sure did <laughs> my, my life is not valuable Ooh. because we have to talk about it's time for the out of practice podcasts this day in the world the greatest hits the biggest movies headlines from vermont essential sports updates and for some inexplicable reason the weather from 20 years ago now back to keith and mike well this is of course a moment like this are you hearing by kelly clarkson i am okay good oh we're such a good podcast the cover of the burlington free press was uh louisiana waterlogged so Glad we solved that problem. And the top movie was Red Dragon, the se- the prequel to Silence of the Lambs, which took in $36 million. Uh, very jarring because it came out uh, about, what, 12 years after Silence of the Lambs? And we're just pretending that mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins is younger. Uh, it doesn't matter. He's such a good actor. It's fine. So it is now time to talk. No, uh, no, hold no. on. Hold on. Oh, no. What's happening? You remember like two seconds before we started the podcast and I was like, oh, hey, I want to talk about this thing. And then you like. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, you know, you have to tell me when. I'm I'm not really listening. All right. <laughs> That's been made abundantly clear. <laughs> All right, folks. It's time for. That's right, kids. We have a back in time true crime more TV. Yes, uh, that was disturbing. Uh, so I real quick wanted to talk about a show that I started watching. We're only four episodes in, so I, I uh, you know, I, I was bashing David E. Kelly's. If you recall, I was bashing David E. Kelly's. Um, uh, what's it called? Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu or whatever. And then I realized I don't want to diss our sponsor Hulu so much. And by sponsor, I mean not sponsor, but we just use Hulu. Meaning they haven't sued us yet. That that, yeah, is, which, that is what counts as sponsorship. If you have not actually sued us yet, you're a sponsor. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. Anyway, uh, I started watching a show on Hulu right now called Only Murders in the Building. That was Jackie Hoffman. That was friend of the show, I, Jackie I thought Hoffman it was that right Jackie. Oh. Uh, we will hear from her later. The premise of this show is all things that we would you would think should not work. Uh, 
plus some things that should work. So the main cast is Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez. And the elevator pitch for the show is three unlikely friends uh, or unlikely strangers become friends as they create a true crime murder podcast. Oh, uh, interesting. Which is weird because you're like, how do you film a podcast? And But basically what it does is it takes all of these true crime tropes that you know, um, Sarah Koenig, the sort of like jaunty piano interludes between things. It uses them in the production of a television show. Ex- exactly. Uh, it, and it, it twists them on their head for this, for comedy value, but also as a framing device. The first episode where you need to introduce the characters and create the, it just is so exquisitely written and, and, and pieced together that it's, it's worth watching. If you even have the most passing interest in true crime or true crime podcasts for that, for that alone. However, it also has two absolute geniuses yeah. in Steve Martin and Martin Short. And what is excellent is that Martin Short is doing Martin Short, as is normally the case, but but this is like the most refined Martin Short has been in absolute years. He's just, they've just nailed it. Um, and Steve Martin is the perfect foil because he is playing straight man Steve Martin, think right. father of the bride time, uh, but with a pathos that I don't know that I've ever seen Steve Martin have. It, it's it's absolutely some of his best work. And Selena Gomez, who you would think, Selena Gomez, up with these two titans, is perfect. So what I thought was just going to be sort of like a passing entertainment is actually, and, and the central mystery is actually pretty good too. Uh, and it has some great cameos by Jackie and whatnot. But I just have to say that I'm so blown away by how much better this show is than it should be or that you expect it to be. And it's their brief episodes. We're only four in, so it's a perfect time to jump in and catch up. You have to watch this show. It's 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 a high recommend. It's right in our wheelhouse for mystery and and the way it's framed is really like current and 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 cool. I really am a fan, and I think everybody should watch the show. That I mean that that's a good sell. I mean I love Martin Short and Steve Martin. I I saw Martin Short's uh, show on on the B way. It was hilarious. Yeah, and they're dealing with some interesting, everybody's dealing with their own personal stuff, like, like, and we can, you know, what happens when your career is sort of flagging or over, and like, how do you deal with that? Or never happened? Yeah, well, that's a different show, buddy. Uh, So, uh, (laughs) that's our show. Only only Murders in the Building, on Hulu, high recommend, get in, be there, be squared. We'll talk about it maybe another time after you've watched a little bit. Okay. We did it, and you got through a more TV in you know less than forty-five minutes. I'm pretty excited. Mm-hmm. All bad. right, not bad at all. All right, well then I feel like we we maybe don't even deserve this bumper, but we're gonna get it anyway. Oh wait, no, because you you just cut in front of the most important segment on the show. Hold on, I Here. I gotta get there. Hold on, let me get me prepared for it. Uh, you know, you interjected. Okay, not, okay, go for there it. There we go. All right, here we go. 
It's time, it's time, time, time. It's time for sports. The New York football giants knocked off the Cowboys 21-17 at Cowboys Stadium. Ike Hilliard, Marcellus Rivers, and Amani Toomer caught touchdowns from Kerry Collins, who outdueled Quincy Carter in the win that brought the Giants to 3-2. Meanwhile, the Eagles dropped the game to Tom Coughlin's Jaguars in Jacksonville. McNabb rushed for 100 yards and a touchdown on the loss, but Mark Brunel got the W. Yay. Yeah, we did it. All right. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay, folks. We are talking about The Practice Season 7, Episode 2, Convictions. It was written by David E. Kelly and Jonathan Shapiro. He is a buddy this time. Uh, Jonathan Shapiro last wrote on Fireproof. And is directed by Christina Musry, who last directed Manifest Necessity. So it's a uh, it's a big episode. We are continuing the Lindsay Sheedon locked up and uh, storyline. And that brings us with only one important thing to answer. And it's going to be shark-related. that supposed to mean what's your problem is this what happens to women when you insert your penis what 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 does mike think's gonna happen you know what if he would have drank the curdled milk then what would have happened he, look at you he, looking so young in that picture uh, uh, i've aged the presidency has aged me uh <laughs> we you know business has been picking up and one thing I know for sure is that Rebecca is all business. All right. Rebecca begins her journey in front of the Supreme Court today of Massachusetts to get her buddy Lindsay out to redeem everything uh, that we've been doing for seasons and upon seasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Mike, you might ask, how are we going to jump the shark? Well, very easily. All right. You know, it wouldn't be shark jumpy to say, you know, Jimmy's a dumb dumb because Jimmy is uh, often a dumb dumb. But he's in a really important case here. He's, he's, uh, there's this, there, Eugene, you'll remember, was so uh, effusive last week about we're not going to say anything, blah, blah, blah. And they arrested this that poor lady. This is about the abducted kid story. Yeah, they arrested the, the poor lady whose kid was abdu- abducted. All right. So I think in a flippity doo dah, going against the wishes of the firm and Eugene, Jimmy <coughs> is going to be the defense lawyer for, for, lady accused of kidnapping who Jimmy knows didn't do the kidnapping but can't say because he's also representing the other lady the firm is all right so Jimmy has to do a case defending a woman he knows is is innocent but cannot show the evidence okay now Mike that's that sounds like a great episode of TV that's not shark jumpy but yeah don't forget we got hot new lawyer that's Jorge's words, not mine. She will be paired with Jimmy, as is Keith's two shot or uh, slate. And but here's here's where it happens, folks. Yeah, I'm still not seeing a shark. The Jimmy and what's the new lawyer's name? Jamie Stringer. The Jimmy Jamie relationship is an absolute off the wall Turner and Hooch like shtick comedy duo. Every scene they're in together is tonally, 
completely inconsistent with a, a procedural drama. It is wacky, zinger-a-minute comedy. That's my prediction. You know, the if you really want to jump the shark, that those scenes shouldn't be a zany comedy, but they, they should, should be, be a musical. Oh, they oh, should be a go. musical. So here's a la my task Allie McBeal to you. Musical. Yes. So here's my task to you. Uh, after each of the scenes that they share together, I would like to hear your your composition of uh, what they're singing in the musical version of their scenes. We're gonna do it during the podcast. During the podcast, we're doing it okay. live. All right. That, that, All right. That's Just you have happen. to remind me. All right, folks. Hope you. Uh, you don't want to miss that. If that's not a teaser, if that's not a teaser, to hop over to your podcasting service of choice to listen to us, listen and Mike compose on the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time, and we will see you back here for the oopsies. You damn right. Season seven, episode two, convictions. Convictions. We're starting right in with the heavy synth. Yeah. Helen is looking nervous. Hey, that's a friend of the show, Ray Abruzzo. I just can't close it. Okay. I guess they're in an interrogation. Oh, yes. So they are interrogating Mary Page Bernice. Keller as Melissa Halpern. I'm Helen Gamble. Why won't you leave me alone? Oh, no, Christina Rose. I'm the district attorney. Can we get you a cup of coffee or something? No, I just want to go to sleep. I know. Listen, I'm very familiar with these kinds of cases. And the truth is... <laughs> we did one last I season. Where we... you. Oh, wait. You know you, you know how she's familiar? Baby. I don't, I don't know if I you know how she's you familiar. With all but your I think heart. it's because of... Uh... That's the truth. But I also believe you're suffering <laughs> from a form of amnesia, which Recycle. is extremely... Recycle! Recycle. Yeah. yeah, it's a recycled block. Sometimes, when good people commit acts that shock their own conscience, they block it out. In your mind, this kidnapping never happened. But the thing is, a witness saw you leave with the baby. And now what the police aren't telling you, they've now located the woman you gave the baby to. She identified your picture. You will be convicted for this crime. It's not even a question anymore. The only thing to be determined is what happens to you. Do you understand what I'm saying, Bernice? Your life is in your hands. You tell us the truth, we can help you. You can get home. She's full on Brendan Dassinger. Wow, you just used Brendan Dassinger as a verb. I think I, it's not the first time, I think. All right, well, here we go. Here we go. You know, they never never adjusted the theme song. It's it's always been this. No, I mean, when you nail it the first time, you don't have to fix it. You, what you might have to fix is that my video has been really bouncy. Oh, there it is. It's back. It's back. Which is uh, why we had to remaster our theme song like three different times. Yeah. 
Interestingly, we never really did an intro uh, video intro. We should have really should have. We should have. We're moving made, you from the orientation a, unit to the compound. Ship sailed. Okay. Yeah, Don't no. pick up disciplinary Seven tickets. Ago. You could stay there for the duration of your sentence, which is life. I'm hoping to reduce that. My appeal is scheduled for tomorrow. Actually, I was hoping that I could attend. Sorry. You filled out a visitor consent form for a minor child. For my son. We'll need a certified birth certificate before he can come in. Then I'll be at least a month after that. Wait, wait a second. I can't see my son for a month? When you L see the Lindsay. shrink at meds, most of the girls here aren't. Just a, ma'am, a friendly reminder. You have been convicted of first-degree murder. You don't get the uh, just the, the the daily sun visits, unfortunately. Yeah, there's, there's probably no tennis court in your prison. Yeah. But you know what? There sweet. is an opportunity to introduce... Corrections officer telling Lindsay she's in bad prison. Lady who... Don't we have a meme of her rolling her eyes on a jury or something? She looks very familiar. Uh, well, she is familiar, and she is in many memes, and she does roll her eyes frequently, but it's not from the practice. This is Aloma Wright, who you would know as Nurse Laverne on Scrubs. Uh-huh. We've seen many, many times. She was also in Young Dylan's Suits, Mr. Deeds, and Private Practice. Uh, but yeah, no, she's one of the iconic characters from Scrubs. One antidepressant. He can also give you a dental dam. Excuse me? If you get involved with anyone, better to be safe than sorry. You've been assigned to janitorial. I asked a clerk in the law library. They all do. It goes to the senior girls. But I'm a lawyer. Miss Dole, part of your adjustment here is learning that what you were before doesn't matter. Holland Taylor? Look, if you don't like the brief... I didn't say I didn't like it. I just think we short-shrifted the merits a little. An appeal isn't about the merits, just the same. It would be nice to have them emotionally predisposed. Justice Leon's wife was the victim of violent crime. It's not a bad idea to tickle that nerve a little by reminding them who Lindsay shot. I'm only talking about two more paragraphs. Okay. Doing a lot of homework on every single judge. It's interesting. Something tells me she's Eugene feeling it like a little. Was this some Rebecca mistake? Doesn't... She'll be okay. Nerves okay. usually Bobby make her better. Berluti! I've got a problem. Yeah, you always do. I represent a woman, Melissa Howard. You know, hold on, hold on. Who kidnapped a child 16 years ago. I heard. Yeah, it should pause well, right there because all... I, d I don't know if there is a better uh, beginning, a better title to the I Am song than I've Got a Problem. Mike? Take it away. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, parentheses, Jimmy bursts in office. I got a problem. I got a problem. Eugene and Bobby, I think I'm in big duty. Eugene and Bobby, what am I going to do? <laughs> oh, you're an A. Yeah. Great. I, I represent a woman who I know didn't do it. But if I tell them how I knew it, I think I went and blew it. <laughs> yes. Well done. Okay. All right. Great. Great opening number. I'm really intrigued. I can't wait for the uh, the next song. Knew it and blew it. Not bad, right? No, that's, no, that's not bad. 
I represent a woman, Melissa Halpern, who kidnapped a child 16 years ago. I heard. Well, she you probably also heard the police arrested somebody else, Bernice White. In fact, they arrested her because of me and... Jimmy, can you just cut to the problem? We're a little busy here. Fine. Bernice White confessed. Excuse me? They must have interrogated her half the night. Well, that's I the innocent know. lady but confessed. she signed a written confession. For a crime she didn't commit? Yes. Bobby, this is all my doing. I'd like to represent Bernice. How can you do that? You represent Melissa. I won't violate any privilege. But Jimmy, there's a conflict. It's in your client's best interest for the police to continue thinking Bernice White is the kidnapper. And I'm not going to do much to change their minds on that. But I can still help her beat it without compromising Melissa Halpern. That's crazy, Jimmy. I can't just sit and do nothing here. That woman's going to go to prison for a crime she didn't commit. I put all of it in motion. I can't just... If I promise not to do anything against Melissa Halpern's interests, you get. Well, I'd her like to point out first at this moment. She has to wait. Thus far, your guess, hundred percent right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Well, we don't know that they buddy cop up yet. Uh, we'll see. But but so Keep far, the, the, the first half oh. of your prognostication, damn right. Okay, great. And take Jamie with you. I want her there. Why? Uh, because you seem a little near Second part, Jimmy. Boom! I back. Now, is it going to be a, a campy musical? That, that there are doubts. I have, I, I, don't I believe. Take Jamie with you. She confessed? That's the good news. The bad is she says she doesn't know where your daughter is. Well, what did she do with her? This is Holly Folger. She doesn't remember. Back as a lady who got her kids stolen. Look, Oopsie award winner. we have the confession, we've got some leverage to work on her. Sally, it's early. Give us some time. I don't care if you make a deal, Helen. I don't care whether or not she goes to prison. I want to see my daughter. represent her bernice white you have my word this is mary page color promise melissa halpern it'll have nothing to do with you i won't be saying i know who the real kidnapper is i will be defending her straight as if you didn't exist why can't she just get another lawyer she could but the reality is any other lawyers uh i want to point out um once again this character is incredulous that Jimmy would, and it makes sense why she'd be a little upset that Jimmy's going to represent the other woman. However, she has not had to pay out the $70,000. She has got this big secret off her chest. She is not arrested for kidnapping. And She's for incredulous. All, there's consequences to her abducting somebody. But guess what? None of those consequences affect her in any way, shape, or form. She has not yet. thus far escaped unscathed and yet is still on her high horse upset that anything should come back in her direction that standing downwind of this gigantic shit you took years ago should <laughs> have yet even the slightest waft of foul odor yes and that sets up perfectly uh jimmy's song to her standing downwind of your gigantic shit take it away what did you think what did you think that your shit would not stink? 
But someone's gotta get the shovel and start digging. Because years ago you had to do some evil living. Why did you think your shit wouldn't stink? Yes, well done. Those are like a rock song. I like it. The defense will reflect that. I want it to be me. There will be notes, I'm sure. My, the tonal inconsistency and of the music is... why is she here? Because as complicated no, as it is, we feel two attorneys... Here's my card. She doesn't need your card. Melissa, I know you don't want Bernice White going to jail. One of the reasons you came to me was to spare some of her suffering. I don't want to be going to jail either, Jimmy. I won't betray you in any way. Hey, Mr. Baluti. Hey, Joey. The daughter's here. Still working on the will? Michelle Horn. And who's this? Oh, uh, I'm Jamie Stringer. I... She works with us. Another reckless move. They're having this meeting in the same house as the daughter, who can walk in secret. at any moment. There's no secret, sweetheart. Grown-ups draft wills. It's just one of the boring things they have to do. Also a terrible liar. We also kidnap children. Yeah. In a in, in drug-induced haze. A month, they're saying, before she can see him. I got to tell him tonight he won't see his mother until Halloween. Bobby, it's prison rules. Look, I, I don't have any jurisdiction or even influence for that matter. There's got to be a string you can pull. Well, I don't have it. Yeah, the string is Look, she's not getting... the best option is to go to the court and beat. ask that she be allowed to attend her appeal. We struck out there. Come on, Helen. I'll try. Thanks. You know, you have a client, Bernice White, kidnapped a baby 16 years ago. If she were to tell us what she did with that baby. Oh, shit. I think the office could find a way to let Lindsay visit with your son. Wow. Playing That's one case wow. Off of I'm not playing one case off of another. You're in here looking for a special favor. It's going to be hard for me to accomplish that considering Without a special favor your firm is held in here. All I'm saying is if you were to do something to cultivate a little goodwill, it could help Lindsay. It's almost a I'm Lindsay's not choice. I'm going to discuss that other case. <laughs> I'm only here to discuss Lindsay. Who wanted You know Lindsay happened to be your ex roommate a good friend of yours it's not just like you know like somebody you your office put in fucking prison for the rest of her life yeah it's it's uh and you're looking for like some insight into now granted i guess it's serious you know like a, a the 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 location of a baby for all they know you know that that they're looking for remains you know what i mean so yeah no and like i i understand the stakes for helen here but tying it to something else like extorting Bobby about that. It's weird. It's weird. But it's, you know, it's not necessarily against Helen's character. Like I said, I'll try. Oh, what a commercial break. Why did you say you did it? I don't know. I just wanted them to leave me alone couldn't take it anymore and then they said that if I gave them what they wanted I'd go home let you go and then the woman she said they'd be lenient and then the detective came back in and he said that if I confessed that he'd help me she got Brandon I, so, I was so tired I believed yep. him the police said if you confessed they'd release you yes 
Oh, the first step, it's very quick to... there, but uh, we we do get Jamie's ballad. Uh, why did you say you did it? Well, I think that you done stepped in it when you told her that you done did it. And I think you should have just quit it and they still had let you go. But baby, now I gotta work hard for my hot meal. Cause I'm going over to the DA's office, gonna strike your ass a deal. Wow, wow, country ballad. I like it. I wasn't expecting the country part. One minute. Well, I want to, when you go ahead and inevitably score these, I figured I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd have you, uh, you know, brush up on your banjo skills. Well, you know, you know what it is? It's sort of turning into Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor <laughs> Dreamcoat, where every no, song is a different style. There's one more lawyer in appeals court. <laughs> to manufacture evidence, Helen. I didn't. Who's this woman she supposedly gave the baby to? I've already marked up a motion to suppress the confession. Well, there's a stunner. You'd be. I'm Jamie. She doesn't care. Listen, Jimmy, you want to make a deal? Tell me where the they girl sort of is. Are Otherwise, like a comedy don't buddy bother. Cop. You crossed the line, Helen. I'm going right into court. Fine, I'll see you there, Debbie. Jamie. <laughs> Jimmy, technically, you didn't disclose to Bernice White that you represent Melissa Halpern. I don't need to. You don't need to? It's legal ethics 101. The law is black and white. Jamie, practical lesson number one. It's never black and white. That's that he hit on the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know what else is gonna hit us on Helen the head? Somehow. Uh, Jamie's song. My name isn't Debbie. It's Jamie. I had to put up with this bullshit in law school, and all the boys and girls wanted to don name me. But I'm not putting up with this shit from you, Jimmy. My name isn't Debbie. It's Jamie Stringer, motherfucker. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a hit. <laughs> Gonna be, be the there. new like hit audition Great. song. So wow, uh, big change in auditions. A lot of people saying motherfucker because of that one song. <laughs> I ran into two former clients, so at least I'm making friends. <laughs> a lot of levity in this first Did you read the brief? Yeah, I, I think it's great. Is Rebecca really the one to argue? She's never even appeared before the appeals court. This is the SJC. I wouldn't let her do it if I didn't believe in her. She's ready. Look, cut to Rebecca looking not so ready. Maybe just hey. busy. Maybe just busy. Hey. Spilled something on her shirt. Eleanor and I were thinking, let's do a moot court tonight. We'll play the judges. That way you can practice on us, and we'll try to pick you apart. Okay. This seemed like a good idea when I asked for this. Oops. It was a good idea. It still is. The only thing to keep in mind is the Supreme Judicial Court. Don't let your passion get the best of you. The first thing they always look for is deference. If they're mistaken, just tell them how justified the mistake is, then correct them. Okay. Hey. Works in marriage as you well. You stepped up for this because <laughs> you know you are the lawyer for this job. Right. I am allowed to trick suspects. We have been through this before, Your Honor. It goes beyond trickery, Your Honor. They kept interrogating her for six hours. 
Then after she's half delirious with fatigue and fear, they feed her this psychoamnesia crap about how she blocked out the crime. Then they tell her she can go home if she confesses. Then they tell her they've got this phantom witness. They had her half believing maybe she did commit the crime. She knows she didn't commit. This went beyond coercion. Trickery is constitutional. You shouldn't even be arguing. You're a witness in what happened in that room. Fine, recuse me. We can bring in somebody else. My client was also represented by counsel, Your Honor. No, your client repeatedly maintained you were not her lawyer. Your Honor, the reason Bernice White was arrested was because the police believed her to be my client. They, in fact, arrested her in my office. So for the prosecution to now claim Miss White was not represented by counsel is blatant bad faith. Wait a second. Did you represent her or not? What up, Gittleson? No. So the prosecution is right. She wasn't represented at the time of the interrogation. They got the wrong one here. That's a jury question. If this goes to a jury with a confession, she's gone. Juries think confessions are the truth, and they're not. Was this interrogation videotaped? Yes. I want to see it. All of it, Miss Gamble. I'll watch the tape, then I'll make my ruling. Even the steamy part. The defendant stays in custody. We're adjourned. And you, you know what else I want to see? I want to see the Act 1 closer, Phantom okay. Witness. Phantom Witness? Phantom Witness. Hmm. Hmm. You know what, Keith? I'm yeah. drawing a blank here. I'm going to have to bring in my uh, my writing partner, uh, Theo, oh, oh. Car Theo Carver. Okay. Um, <clears throat> To, to give me that, to me get a little bit. Okay, okay. Courtroom, here is where did go my witness? <laughs> wow. There are bad jokes, there are bad puns. And that, my friend, was the bastard evil baby child of a bad pun, a bad joke. And a bad, uh, uh, what do you call it when you, uh, <laughs> oh God, uh, <laughs> sing, uh, uh, hold on, um, uh, what is it called? Oh my God, oh my God, I'm, my brain is blanking. What is it called? <laughs> Testify for me! <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't abduct that baby. Hiya! I'm just a waitress. Look, I'm still willing to play ball if she tells us where the girl is. Oh, we salvaged it. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That was bad. That was straight up bad. I mean, they all now have to be puns on music. And we maintain the jury instructions were flawed. Great. New rules Insofar for Insofar as the judge okay. failed to advise that lethal force may be justified even against unarmed victims when court, the defendant believes awesome. her life is in danger. Did you submit your own jury instruction? Yes, Your Honor. We timely submitted our proposed jury instructions, which Judge West rejected. And what was your proposal on lethal force? Referring the court to page... You have to have it ready, Rebecca. You get 20 minutes tops. You need to know the transcripts and pleadings. I can't feed them to you. Okay. 
You're raising a wheat violation? Yes, Your Honor. Your client waived that? That would be assuming Ms. Dole had the capacity to waive it. Is there anything in the record that goes to her mental incapacity? Yes, Your Honor, referring the court to... You have to have it ready. Okay! You can't use that tone. I know. Do you, Rebecca? Is Jimmy still here? No, actually. Melissa, I thought we agreed it wasn't a good idea for Melissa you to Halpern. come here. I just wanted to know how things went today with the hearing. Oh, the judge took it under advisement. And if the confession is suppressed, Ms. White will be let go, right? We hope so. I called Jimmy at home, there was no answer. If he checks in, would you have him call me? Sure. Good night. Riddle me this, Keith. Night. Yes. Thinking outside the box here. Okay. Put putting my black and white morals away and bringing out some shades of gray. Okay. Is it not inconceivable? Now the stakes aren't that high, but is it not con inconceivable that that Jimmy could that they could somehow finagle this lady to get some sort of a some sort of an immunity deal because she has pertinent information? And then she could testify on Bernice White's behalf, and they both could get set free. Yes, and I think that would be the logical course of action here. Um, I I think the the problem with that is getting uh, Halpern to agree to that until she has any consequences. Because right now, like like we've been saying, they're not on to her. So right now, she doesn't have to do anything yet. You know, really trying to play clearly it up like the her moral key. thing is not her number one concern. She doesn't, and by doing that, she she has no intention of giving the kid back or letting the the mother know that you know, like at, to meet the kid at all. So her objective is counter to that. Now they did have that pretty heavy-handed scene where the kid was clearly catching on to something. I mean, like it, the narrative is driving itself towards. The kid gets wise, and that's where that's everything shifts on that dime, right? I mean, other than that, yeah. I, we seem to be kind of treading water. Yes, yeah. And thus far, and it's early still, but like that's one thing this episode is suffering from slightly is that we're it seems like we're treading water. Like, okay, Lindsay's in prison. Lindsay's not happy in prison. Got it, got it, got it. Rebecca's preparing, preparing, preparing. Got it, got it, got it. It's a montage. Where's the let's get the case going? Let's move the well, plot. I, forward, please. I think the confession counts as a plot move forward. Okay, fair. A coerced confect, confect, confection? Mm, I'd go mm. for a confection right now. Mm. Well, a confection's good because Jimmy does seem to want his cake and eat it too. Mm. <laughs> oh, well played. That joke rose like a souffle. Oh, Jesus Christ, Keith. <laughs> You're the writer. Ready. I am so ready. <laughs> You really need to hammer prosecutorial misconduct. I plan to. Even if we win here and get a remand, it's not going to do Lindsay much good. At retrial, we'll be stuck with her former testimony, which means we can't really argue self-defense. So what are you saying? I'm saying we need to get a reversal with prejudice. Lindsay's best chance at freedom is with the SJC, not at a trial court. And the only way we get a reversal with prejudice is prosecutorial misconduct. Okay. That is a big ask. Anything else? 
look, we don't just yes. need an RBI here, all right? We need a grand slam oh in the bottom God. of the ninth. We need we need you to basically, uh, well, yeah, strain whatever analogy you want. But it's it is cool because this is what we thought perhaps. I think it's what I pitched initially. It was like, we're going to find out some crazy shit that Smichovich did. Um, right. Which is what Bobby's basically asking her for, right? You got to prove right. that. Right. Like- well, and, and, you know, what he's asking for with prejudice for those playing at home means that they can't retry her. So if it's thrown out without prejudice, that means they just have to start over. With prejudice means like, you guys fucked up so bad, you can't even retry her. She's free, period. Yeah, that's like. No- I'm sorry to bring up a really kind of sketchy subject, but that's Bill Cosby style, right? Yeah. Like he, they fucked up. The the DA fucked up. That's why he got free. It has nothing to do with your guilt or innocence. That's what Bobby's asking here. Like we don't want to bring in any of the evidence. We lo- we want her released, and then we can't retry it. Right. Right. Exactly. It's quite natural for you to be scared, intimidated. But what you need to remember, Rebecca, is. There's a reason why we picked you. Your advocacy skills, your command of the law, your passion. We all believe in you. Lindsay does, most of all. I do. Well, wouldn't Lindsay be most of all? Because, you know, she's the one in prison. Eh, Bobby really, he thinks of himself most of all. good scene though like i really like him bolstering her there it's a great character beat too because when we saw rebecca last week she was so confident remember me and you were both jumping out of our chairs yeah so to introduce and so it almost feels like there's no way that she could lose so they needed to introduce this doubt to keep us uneven i think well it's the humanity and I actually love the throwback to the early special relationship that Bobby and Rebecca have had right from the very yeah. beginning because mm-hmm. they started the firm together. And also she generally pep talks him, right? So it's it's nice to right. see that reciproc- that reciprocation, reciprocity, reciprocity. Reciprocity. Uh, reci- reciprocity. R- although, although there is an amazing cut song from Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma called Reciprocity. <laughs> <laughs> R-E-C-I-P-R Okay, we're going to Kittleson uh, with some heavy scoring uh, so this is uh, an important decision about to be handed down Be seated Stand up, Miss Gamble I watched that tape and once again I find myself disgusted by your tactics. Trickery and deceit may pass constitutional muster, but it gives you, this court, and the concept of honor a very black eye. I hear you complain all the time about the erosion of public trust, and yet your own behavior puts no value on it. Go stand in the corner. I beg your pardon? You heard me. Go in that corner and stand. Face in. Yo, she's dunce capping her. Your Honor, with all due respect sure to your is. authority in this room. You'll feel but- the extent of that. 
Oh, I've shown men's penises in this courtroom, so the, the, the dunce corner ain't nut, nothing to me. That authority if you defy it, counsel. I'm not about march yourself into that corner now or you go to a jail cell. Woo! Nobody puts Helen in the corner. Oh, wait. Yes, they do. <laughs> Mr. Belluti, your client was not represented by counsel at the time of this interrogation. Now, uh, no I think before we, we get the ruling, it is definitely uh, to hear the first draft of, uh, of the, the Pippin opening number, Go Stand in the, uh, the uh, Corner of the Sky, entitled Go Stand in the Corner. Everyone deserves some penins for times that they fucked up. And Helen had it come in, so it's time that she shut up. So Kittleson puts her where she really, really belongs. And far away you'll hear Jimmy singing this great song. Helen belongs right in the corner. <laughs> I belong in Kittleson's apartment. I hope that she finds my client innocent. Gotta find my penis. <laughs> Back in Kittleson. I don't remember. Well done, well done. Yeah, that was a good, good enough tag. Somehow that song ended with Jimmy Bang and Kittleson. Asked for a lawyer, and however deceived, tired, and badgered she may have been, there is no indication that her statement wasn't voluntary. The confession, however putridly obtained, Therefore, stands. Yeah, we saw that coming. The defendant will stay in custody. We're of course, adjourned. like it's throwing out the idea of coercion. Same thing with Brendan Dassey. It's like, is it voluntary if it's coerced? And that's what should be argued. Uh, Melissa Halpern's in the back of the courtroom, realizing, oh, you done started a shitstorm. I, I just I, listen. I've never been. I've never been like traumatized in a in a <clears throat> inter interrogation room. I've never had people badger me. I've never been kept up for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours and coer like that's never happened to me. So I'm not but it just seems to me like regardless of the implications, if you've not done anything wrong, right? Just mm -hmm. ask for a lawyer. Because my understanding is the the interrogation stops at that point is what they show you on TV, right? Like just ask for a lawyer, whether you have one or not. I know they start with the interrogation with, it's much better for you if you just come up front now. Right. If we bring lawyers in, you, you, the suspicion of guilt is upon you. But haven't we watched enough TV now to know, just ask for a lawyer? Well, yes, for you and me, right, who are paying attention. But, you know, in the, in the case of a lot of these famous cases, the defendant's are not you know, I'm trying to figure out how to say this they're they they don't have the knowledge or the processing power that the average person does and it makes them easy to exploit and you know if you're if you're not operating at a certain level and these manipulation tactics are very sophisticated it's entirely possible Keith you just said all of that and you put me on the side of the intelligent people while looking at my face with a giant cat scratch down the center of my nose, if there's any bigger buffoon 
<laughs> you could not indicate that in any better way. Oh, well, I've got a few hours of podcasting that will also indicate that. Oh, that's a good... A few? Just a few hours. <laughs> just a few. Just one or two. Just a few. Just a few. I don't know what I've done, but I can't find the episode anymore. Where could it be? Where could it be? I represent the real kidnapper. This is ex parte. It isn't Bernice White. Get out of here. If she goes to trial with a confession, she's gone. You are one sentence away from the jail cell Helen Gamble almost got. This is ex parte, highly improper. I will disregard it in its entirety and ask for your bar card if you utter another syllable. She's Convince not wrong. He's not to turn wrong. Herself in if you want, but don't you dare come to me. Jimmy, nothing. Go. What? I was about to say, on a more personal note. I miss you. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm, um, okay. Oh, what a great actress. She's phenomenal. Here's the line. I'm okay. Now I want you to tell a 12-paragraph story in that line. Sounds like a perfect scene. Like, let us stop and, like, really diagnose from a from writing standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. You you want to have that scene. You want to have these characters, you know, deliver the subtext like, hey, I still care about you. Like, I miss you a little bit. Like, maybe I regret that we're not together. Blah, 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 blah. But how do you do that where you're not speaking your subtext like bad writing? You just, how you doing? I'm okay. How you doing? Okay. And you hand it to your actors and God damn, did they crush that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it just... It's just good writing. It's good acting. It's just really fine, fine work. And you know what else is really fine work? Kittleson's and Jimmy's love ballad uh, duet uh, on a personal note. Well, Keith, I, I do have to say <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, that uh, I've been working on my editing skills. And much like you just uh, expounded on the virtues of that scene, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately for our listening public... Uh, there is no song, Keith. There is no uh, vocal to the song because it is a dream ballet. Their romance is expressed in a dance sequence that mm. unfortunately I can't really uh, explain over the air. So just picture uh, Jimmy and Kittleson balleting hard. I Well, I, I think really what you should picture is Mike and I playing Jimmy and mm-hmm. Kittleson doing the dream ballet. Yeah. Just and, uh, everyone, everyone just take a moment. Thank and you. now to cleanse that palate, let's uh, let's get to our first hearing of Rebecca Donaldson uh, vying to hit one out of the park. Call Ginger Ale will help with the nausea. Here we go, Rebecca, Supreme Court. Smichovich. May it please the court, 
My name is Rebecca Washington, and I represent the appellant Lindsay Dole in the matter of the Commonwealth versus Dole. You are in receipt of our appellate brief, and I would like to address the court on several issues outlined in that document. First, during trial, the Commonwealth referred to the fact that Ms. Dole initially chose to speak with lawyers instead of the police the night of the shooting. Ms. Dole, like any criminal defendant, had the constitutional right not to speak to the police, a constitutional right to confer with attorneys. And it was reversible error for Mr. Walsh to use the exercising of those rights as evidence against her. Was an objection made on those grounds at trial? Yes, Your Honor, Ms. Frutt objected. Actually, she objected that the question sought privileged information, not that the question was unconstitutional. Even if the objection was legally flawed, Mr. Walsh went further. He argued that Ms. Dole's decision to speak with her lawyers was, and I quote, consistent with the behavior of guilty people. Ms. Frutt didn't object to that. We maintain Judge West nevertheless should have struck the statement sua sponte. Moreover, Mr. Walsh made other errors. He argued that the shooting was part of a pattern that my client and her husband were in the habit of killing clients. Can't the prosecution use character evidence to impeach a defense witness? Not if that evidence is overly prejudicial. And such character evidence, prejudicial or not, is inadmissible without prior notice. We never got that notice. And where's your objection to that? If you refer to the transcript, you'll see Ms. Frutt made a timely objection once Mr. Walsh introduced the evidence concerning Mr. Hinks. I see an objection going to prejudice. I see nothing going to notice. It was a general objection which under Massachusetts you law... You agree there was sufficient evidence to convict your client? We agree the evidence might have supported manslaughter, but not... You don't deny she shot him. No, we do not. You just disagree with the verdict. We maintain the trial was unfair, that the prosecutor committed multiple reversible errors. Oh, did you ever move for a mistrial? No, but under Massachusetts general law... So basically, you took your shot and you're here because you don't like the result. I'm here because of something called the Fifth Amendment. I'm here because of something called the Sixth Amendment. Basic constitutional rights belonging to Lindsay Dole that the prosecutor blatantly trampled. We're not talking about subtle shades of gray where a civil liberty or two was encroached upon. He plowed over them with a tank. Mr. Walsh showed contempt for the Constitution. He had no regard for fundamental civil liberties. And I'm here today under the assumption that the seven of you do. Lectures aren't generally effective. And I wouldn't presume to lecture you, but I will use part of my time to enter indignation into the record because I think a lack of it is part of the problem. Police lie today, so do prosecutors, and it doesn't so much as raise a judicial eyebrow because it goes on all the time. Everybody's jaded. It doesn't shock anybody's conscience. And I'm here saying it should shock yours. This man wanted his verdict. He said, forget the Bill of Rights. And he's hoping you cop the same attitude. I am here hoping otherwise.
It's not my place. So to let's say- break that down. Uh, first, is- before we, before we get into the specifics, let me yeah. just say a couple of things. Uh, now, granted, it's very um, the West Wing in its sort of lofty ideals. It's very full of uh, editorializing. I would say lots of camera mm-hmm. movement. Camera movements looks great. Yes, especially that shot behind Rebecca, kind of looking at the seven-panel jury, uh, several pan- this, the panel. Uh, really shot well, excellently delivered. We'll talk about that later. But I think that it it concisely and uh, perfectly exposes exactly what I think the show says at times and what really happened in that trial. I thought it was perfect in that we it's we 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 too often get caught in the nitty gritty. The big picture here is that we allowed him to to use all the tricks. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm sort of just blown away, bowled over by, as you could tell by our pure silence. And Keith and I are, are nothing if not uh, consistent chatterboxes during this podcast. But that was just uh, the culmination of the first act, I think, of this trial. And uh, I thought it was well acted. I thought it was well executed. And now let's get into the merits. Go ahead. Yeah, I... I'm sort of conflicted on this because the trappings of it in the performance and the in the in the the directing and the set and the music I think are are are, are leading us to believe that their case is stronger than it is mm-hmm. because if you really dissect what she's saying all right so he implied guilt by, you know, through a couple of their behaviors, right? So he's sort of like, you know, they uh, they didn't talk to the police. They went to their lawyers, wink, wink. And, uh, you know, he brought up a prior in a sort of a prejudicial fashion. And, you know, we're getting these sweeping strings and the Fifth and Sixth Amendment, that kind of stuff. I don't know. To me, those feel pretty thin, as, well, I think less so in, and I think the judges bring this up. I think they're pretty thin now, specifically, because now is supposed to be the here's the bullet points. Here are the way he broke the Fifth and Sixth Amendment. Bing, bing, bing. Whereas this type of close, quote unquote, is more effective to a jury in a in a right. jury nullification sense. But we didn't get that in 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 the in the in the trial. So I I agree with you. I'm still waiting. And this is a case where I think I would not be disappointed in a sort of deus machina type of, we find out Schmitzovich did this, this one thing that we can expose the big, we can, like the little hole in the Death Star where we can find our way and and blow it up. Yeah, Uh, Because you're right, right right here, it's tough that you can believe that a majority of seven people are going to set aside a conviction for sort of an ideals-based lofty speech. Right, and... and and they very clearly pointed out that Eleanor's lack of objection to these things are were pretty egregious, mm-hmm. and and I think that that's a that's a weakness in their case because she's not going there arguing that you know ineffective assistance of counsel, not going in there like hey we got run over because we sucked. That's not the argument she's making. She's making the argument that uh, Samichevich cut these corners and, and made these violations, but they just don't seem that big to me yet. 
you know, it's funny, so, you bring up you bring up a pretty great alternate un, un, reality where because currently how it sounds right now is that Eleanor fucked up more than Schmitzovich cheated, quote unquote, yes. right? So an almost better, uh, a more challenging writing exercise would have been our best chance of appeal is to argue ineffective counsel. Right. And like right. throw Eleanor under the bus, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it, you know, Smitchevich did what anybody would do. You know, you sort of like, you, which they do all the time. They like, they like drop the crumb and then like, objection, yeah, withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Which is really each of these things should have gone through that process, and we're making it seem like it's some big deal. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me at this point. But that all said, uh, I want to speak for Rebecca and uh, Lisa Hamilton. You know the the juxtaposition of her subtle doubt and fear in the previous scene with Bobby, with this scene of her deftly delivering her opening with. The some excellent actually we talk about this a lot on the show. Sometimes they put in these very straight grounded actors to play these appellate judges. It's we've seen it yeah. before, in fact, and they play things with zero, uh, with zero quote unquote acting. It's like if you just said deliver this like you were just an everyman on the street. Don't give me any acting school, and they do it great here. And I think that is they're so matter of fact that it. It poses a great challenge for Rebecca, and she responded quickly and with, with she crushed uh, it. <clears throat> yeah, it, it was great. It was a great acting scene, and I thought a a, a well delivered. Yeah, uh, character both both beat. the character and the actor crushed it. But it did not instill confidence, Keith. Even though the even though the score tried to lead us to believe, I I agree with you. I'm not confident that it's enough. I can't guess you. Then why are you about to? Because you have violated so many ethical rules. The conflict of interest. You charge in to see a judge ex parte. Lucy tells me you even used to sleep with this judge. I never said for her to tell you I told her that. (laughs) You forget we have squeal laws. Technically, I'm obligated to report to the bar all of this. Then why don't you do that? I'm not looking to do that. Then what do you want, Jamie? Why are you being so mean to me? Good question. Look, I made a mistake that resulted in a person being arrested for a crime she didn't commit. The likelihood is I can't undo that mistake. She's going to prison. I don't mean to be acting out against you, but, well, you're there. I'm sorry. Wow. Rarely do we get like such a pure black and white apology. Trials need to be fair. And uh, we can all really appreciate that pure black and white apology with Stephen Sondheim's apology song, Squeal Laws. Bit by bit, putting an apology together. Piece by piece, finding all the things that I did wrong, trying to put it in a song and make you feel better. Jimmy, I'm sorry. Not perfect. Even if some of my questions went too far and I make no such concession, it was harmless error. Oh, come on, Mr. Walsh. You raise another murder and linked a defendant to it? As Your Honor correctly noted, we linked Bobby Donald to it, a witness. 
We have every right to impeach. Well, you called it a pattern, and you also linked it to Lindsey Dahl. The jury was instructed that the lawyer's questions and arguments are not evidence. Well, still, it's a little hard to unring a bell, isn't it? Moreover, Ms. Frutt didn't ask for any curative instructions. She didn't move for a mistrial. They're raising things here they effectively waived. What about your introducing your own personal beliefs? In your opening, you said you wouldn't have shot the man. If that was improper, it was. Then I would again ask, where's the harm? I think we can assume that the jury assumed going in I wouldn't have shot the man. My saying it hardly made much noise. You think you took the high road here, Mr. Walsh? The high road? Yes. My answer to that would be, murder trials are typically low roads. They get ugly, often personal. Not that the doctrine of unclean hands is applicable, but let's look at some of the defense counsel's tactics. Those aren't in issue here. They are as a context of mine, and- It would I be a mistake to focus on defense conduct. My actions did not cause Lindsay Dole to be convicted of murder. Her actions led to that result. She received a fair trial. She had an army of attorneys. She got a better defense than most defendants. The jury heard all the evidence. They were properly instructed, and they made their unanimous finding. Ms. Dole lost. And this court cannot disregard a verdict merely because it disagrees with it. That's a pretty good defense. They'll assign a trial. By the way, the judges who we were not extras there. were Thomas Jamie F. Walsh, Donald Wayne, and Kim Hamilton. You can call her or me anytime. It's okay. We're not going to give up. I promise you that. Why are you being so kind? Because I know you're innocent. And because you feel responsible? I know the real kidnapper's your client. I read the newspapers. Like you said, it's why I was arrested. Why can't you just tell the police who she is? Because I can't. I'll do almost anything else, but I can't do that. Yes, you can. You mean you won't. I won't. I'm going to be convicted. We all know it. And you won't tell. That must be very hard to live with. Is it? It's a weird commercial break. <laughs> Has anybody seen Jenny? I feel like the scene continued, uh, but they cut it for time. Please let her know she's expected to check in with us. Eleanor, can I see you a second in my office? Eleanor's been really kind of taking a beating, huh? Just listening to all the shit she did wrong. Oh my god, yeah. You know that I know. You tried an excellent case. That you know. But judging from the questions the Supreme Court put to Beck, we think, they think, there was inadequate counsel. They were group mistakes. No, they were mine. They were trial blunders. The decisions Bobby, were... Bobby, I was at the SJC. I heard the questions. They were trial mistakes. We're going to start preparing an appeal on ineffective assistance. 
It might be too late, but we feel we need to try everything. They wrote the better episode. I don't disagree with your decision, Bobby. Anything else? Wait, so they're going to have a second? Can you... I guess you can have as many appeals as you... Well, you can have a lot of appeals, right? Oh, yeah. You can appeal until you run out of ideas. As long as it's different things. Jamie's walking up to... Oh, it's a different person's house. Oh, is this going to yeah. be a little girl? Is she going to try to undo Jimmy's wrong? going to try to unring that bell? Miss Halpern, oh, may I speak to you? I won't take very long. It's the abductee lady. Could we speak directly in front of your daughter's room, possibly? Yeah, can we, like, just whisper in her ear? First off, let me assure you I am not here at the request of Mr. Berluti. And I'm not here just to eat more He'll fruit from the fruit bowl, which is in every scene. When he finds out. Then why are you here? Well, I've been pretty much an observer on this case, but from my observations, I think it's only a matter of time. Miss Stringer, if they haven't found me after 16 years, I hardly think- I don't mean the police. I mean you. I think you're inching towards turning yourself in. Whether it's showing up in court or coming to our office even when we tell you not to, even by seeking out the victims to give them money, you were putting something in motion. I can't live in jail. Obviously, you're having difficulty with the way things are now. And when Bernice White starts serving a 25-year-to-life term, you will never live with that. I'm not trying to talk you into anything. I'm only encouraging you to hurry to the place you're already headed for. For Bernice White's sake. And I guess your own. I don't think you should say you did it. But I do think you want to say you did it. Don't act like I'm making you do this. But I'm trying to make you do this. Please don't say you abducted your daughter. Even though I know that you know that I know that you know that I know that you know you oughta. Yeah. That's a hit. That's a hit. I like it. I think that's my best one. Hey. And hey. in walks hey. the daughter, as usual. What are you doing here? Bitch, I abducted you! Oh, I just needed to get some signatures. Signatures on what? The will. There's no papers. Actually, the daughter we is smarter than anyone else here. I committed 16 years ago. Oh, geez, she's gonna confess here and now? Oh, and we're gonna cut away. Man, they're really. It's a two-pronged test. Putting the food First, in front of us and then taking it away. First, we have to representation was immeasurably below that of an ordinary lawyer. What's measurably? It's like the definition on obscenity. They know it when they see it. And the second prong? But for our incompetence, Lindsay would have been acquitted. I love how... Oh, hold on. I love how Rebecca is explaining to Bobby and Eugene a very their basic idea. legal principle. <laughs> yeah, that was their idea. That was their yeah. idea. Yeah, wait. We should, we should argue ineffective assistance of counsel... Rebecca, how does that work? 
Bobby, clerk's office, SJC. The hell is this? Hello, this is Bobby. I heard Dunn. back from the Supreme Why Court. Call me. Shh, shut yourself. Yes. Uh huh. The score does not indicate a success. Based on Fifth and Sixth Amendment violations. She's out. Lindsay's conviction has been reversed. Wait, we did it? They've ordered a new trial. Thank you. It wasn't everything you wanted. But it's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Thank you. Congratulations. New trial, baby! I don't give a damn. That isn't true. Hey, gives me a chance to beat them twice. Truth be told, I hate that firm so much. Just the opportunity to stick it to them twice. Suddenly there's something to get juice for. They'll never win a retrial. You watch, they'll come crawling, looking to plead. Forget it. She's never getting out of prison. Never. You sound a little rabid. I know you like those people, Helen. I don't. They're the pricks in my side. I think you mean thorns. I think you mean not side. Helen. We went to your office. They said you were here. This is Melissa Halpern. She's the person who kidnapped Sally Burns' baby 16 years ago. Well, shit. It's over. You're free. The real kidnapper came forward. It'll be in the papers tomorrow. Thank you. Well, he didn't really have I didn't to do mean with it. to usurp anybody. You're an associate. You take the assignments we give you, you do not get creative, you do not go to clients behind our backs. I knew it was something, Jimmy. You don't make excuses when you know what you did was wrong. I'm sorry. Is that not the approved associate tone? This isn't going to work if that's the attitude you're coming in with. I knew that what I was doing was unconventional and risky. But I saw something in this woman, and I really thought I could help. Next time, you check with us first. Okay. Square one. Forensics, psychiatrists, like ballistics, both, we go through right. it like it's the first time. What are you expecting to find? Something. We have to have something new for the second trial. Who's trying it? 
Either outside counsel or Eugene. I haven't decided yet. Joey? Are we switching theories? I don't know. Joey. We can't go self-defense since the prior testimony comes in. What else is there? It's got to be straight insanity. There's nothing else. What about the phone call when she sounded so calm? Post-traumatic shock. Nobody's saying it's going to be easy, but insanity is all we got. We have to pour through the transcripts. Every Wait, whoa, 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 time out. Haven't everyone been shouting from the rooftops for weeks now like we should have just done self-defense? Yeah. And why are we going back to the insanity, Will? Isn't that isn't insanity just a more broad version of battered wife? Yes. Yeah, I I think they they still can't do self-defense. I'm confused. I I don't know I don't know either. Reword. It was never clear in the first place why they couldn't we use it. Use. We've got our new trial now. We have to win it. Also, could Helen, can Helen, could Helen bring to Bobby all the stuff that that Schmitzvich is saying? Like, is that stuff privileged? Like, he's basically saying he has a vendetta against that office. It, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I don't think it's relevant because, like, he can have a vendetta all he wants. He's still going to argue the case. Yeah, I guess that that would be, actually, that'd be better fodder for an appeal rather than. Sure. But but even in an appeals thing, Bobby, you have to like you point to, to the vendetta caused him to break rule one or rule two. Right, right. This, but we need to consider a plea. No, we won't win this trial. With her prior testimony, they have a stronger case. We're not pleading, Eugene. End of discussion. The assignment for everybody is to figure out a way to win. Straight, not guilty. Their biggest challenge. Tune in for season seven of The Practice. The Practice. We're seeing Holly Fold Folger. That's the actual mom. Wow. Here's your daughter who now has a mom in jail. Sally. This is Joey. Joey? Less emotional reunion Sally. than the last big reunion we had, remember? That's true, but it is the second abducted adult kid who was like, eh, all right, cool. It's it's more confusing than anything, I think, emotionally. Hello? I mean, she just found out she was a, a kidnapped yesterday. Or today. Keith's getting a business call. Oh, now we're going to zoom, just long pan out. Ooh. Yeah, well, I I also like, that's all we need to know about that scene. Well, that's so, about what you're going to get. You're going to get a lot of confusion and like weird emotional gray area until for who knows, you know what I mean? Like that, but we yep. don't get the follow up because remember our heroes, their scope is, is that. That's right. Well, folks, if you love a lot of confusion, it is time to hop back over to the YouTubes and uh, we're going to do our little after show show uh, called the Oopsies. We'll see ya. And we are b -b -b back, baby. We are indeed. Holy moly. We have gotten through the practice season seven, episode two convictions and, uh, it's another big episode, and in case you missed it, uh, first off, why? Because you missed a musical. 
it was a musical episode of the practice and uh we're going to do everyone's favorite segment now sung entitled mm, two three four mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show segment segment i started late now so that i have enough time that's the point hey y'all Music, uh, singing. Some lady's pissed because she uh, uh, unwittedly uh, got coerced into admitting she kidnapped somebody that she didn't, even though she was just like working at the laundry. Uh, also, Rebecca's standing in front of uh, the Seven Panel Journey and gives a uh, a nicely written uh, case, but it's not a great case. But guess what? She wins anyway. Lindsay gets another trial. And guess what? We ain't taking no plea. Oh, and new lawyer convinces... Uh, the criminal mom who didn't care before to care now, and uh, the girl's back. Oh, man, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, and also I promised it was going to be sung. It didn't, didn't oh, work. Yeah, I was confused because I thought last week we decided that it was over, that segment entirely. We were going no, right to... Oh, yeah. it's, it's only over if I uh, find it funny to be over, or if, if I find it funnier to do. That's what we're going to so do. So should we just redo it in song this time? No, we're going to, but our next segment, you're going to have to sing. And our segment, you're actually going to have to sing. Uh, The segment we call... (laughs) The appeal begins... Jimmy tries to have his cake. We have one more chance. You were you were an E this time. Mm. Well done. Well done. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Well, uh, it's time to hand out some fake awards. What do you say? Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now... Here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Uh, well, welcome back, Jackie. The oopsies are a very important awards show that begins with... You know... <laughs> That time I really tuned in, and uh, <laughs> it's as disturbing as it felt. To all, at the, all time. the nuances you were hoping yeah. for, yeah. Uh, you know, this is for the first time in a while. One of the one of the this the the stakes on this one are really tough because we have two important, two really uh, deserving lawyers. One is uh, our new lawyer Jamie Stringer uh, because her actions. And I don't know if it was in, she wasn't particularly in her power as an attorney at the time, but I guess she was. She convinced the mom, the mom in hard quotes, to admit to her crime, which 
not only gives uh, relief to a woman, it saves her life from going to prison for 25 years, but also gives her back, in softer quotes, her daughter, and it also reveals the truth to a woman who was living a life that was not, uh, I don't want to say it wasn't legitimate, but it was not, she didn't know her 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 lineage, right? She was being, the big lie was being kept from her. And so all of those things were undone, and I'm not saying it's, it's easy peasy and that it's going to be all smoke, uh, rainbows and sunshine, but at least everyone's living in their truth now. There's consequences for the one woman, there's... A resolution for the other woman, and there's the the chance at a reunion for the daughter. That's pretty important. I don't know that you can put a price tag on that. On the other hand, Lindsay Dole is given reprieve. She we saw some of the stakes. She was coming to terms with her new reality, which was pretty stark. And Rebecca, even though Keith and Mike questioned how strong her her appeal case was, because from what it sounded like, that whole that three minute pitch to the appeals court was all that she got. That plus the brief that they prepared yeah, is what right. what went ahead and earned Lindsay a, a second trial. And that chance is not only does not only affect Lindsay Dole, but it affects Bobby's life and it affects Bobby Junior's life. So that's those are two cases that it save someone's life and also give a second chance to to a child. Those are huge stakes for both. Uh, though I will have to, I think the edge goes to Rebecca for me because she actually had to actively use her lawyer litigation skills mm -hmm. in order to mm -hmm. get that result. And so for that reason, I think Rebecca Washington is most valuable lawyer. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Jamie did uh, really important good work here uh, and it does sort of rescue Jimmy and the firm and the and this whole case here, but she sort of did almost what like what your BFF would do would sit you down and like Mike, buddy, we all know you're eventually going to confess, and right now you're just sort of spinning the ball along and you, you're kind of making it worse for everybody. You know you're going to confess. I know you're going to confess. Why don't you just put us out of our misery, you know, and confess to the horrible thing that Mike and Deglio definitely did. Uh, but I think, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I think Rebecca, A, not only did she have to lawyer, she had to lawyer with that weak case and had to sort of make up for her weak case with her conviction and her passion, which is why they chose her in the first place, uh, in front of the, you know, the Massachusetts Supreme Court. So the stakes were high. Also, she was had to like think on her feet against pretty hard questioning. So I think it's Rebecca, uh, and I I'm uh, I think it's time to award Rebecca with her MVL. It does kind of suck, though, don't you think that like here's Rebecca's big moment. I think it's going to be this huge arc, and like Rebecca's portion is part of one episode. I I know. I know it's. It, uh, we'll we'll get to it in the tires about this feeling I rushed. I was shocked but. when that phone call gave. I mean, I midway through you were like, "Oh, you clock it?" Because you think they they try a little too hard to do the switcheroo. You know, the tonal yeah. switcheroo. Right, but right, right, right. It still felt like we. They at least deserve. Even last last season, we had like a four or five episode arc to start the season. You don't. We didn't get. Yeah. Rebecca doesn't get that. Well, the, whatever. the arc isn't done. Just Rebecca's part in it. 
appears yeah. to be done, which, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it in tires. So it's not time for that yet. Okay. You know what it's time for? Uh, m- remember, season seven is double time. Get ready. Definitely stretch. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. <laughs> this is a very serious podcast, guys. Very serious, uh, but very legal issues. Look, there was a, a lot of people doing a lot of guest acting. On this. <laughs> I'm going to keep it brief here, Keith. I think she's out of the main title now. So for a scene in which her best line was two words, I'm okay. I'd like to go back in time and give the best guest actor to Holland Taylor as Judge Kittleson. I believe she's a guest actor on this episode. Oh yeah, she's she's always been a guest actor. She's never been in the titles. And I think she she she, she, she won an Emmy. It. She gets to be Kittleson, the judge in this episode, and she also gets to be Kittleson, the human. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny because I was thinking Christine Rose, who was the accused woman, who did a great, she did a really good job. But you're right. God damn, Holland Taylor. In like one quick scene in which she only says a few lines, uh, yeah, yeah, no, you're totally right. I wasn't, I wasn't going in that direction, but you know what? You just pulled me there, and you, you might win uh, MVL of this episode because you totally turned me around. What that I also quickly. love about that scene too, we'll, I guess we'll talk about entires maybe, is also that that was a scene for us. That was a scene for people who have been watching, 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 watching. That was not yeah. a bottle episode scene. That was just for like longtime viewers who have been wondering like, are we going to acknowledge that like they don't really like that the Jimmy and Kittleson. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was great. No, really. Yeah, fine, fine, fine work. Yeah, good point. Good point. Well done. Uh, you want to know who else did a, did a good job? It's going to be our... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show So, at first blush, I want to give it to uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton just for, that, just for that delivery of that monologue, which I thought was really strong There is great performances by top to bottom in this episode too But, you know, I know he won last episode, but but Dylan does another stellar job this episode. He has to play a lot of colors. His interactions with with Lindsay, his interactions with Rebecca, his interactions with the, the whole case with Eleanor. With I, he's really good. Um, also, uh, Bataluka was excellent this episode. Our new. Uh, cast member was really great you could convince me of of any of them i'm i'm leaning mm-hmm. towards bobby surprisingly uh, i mean sorry dylan uh and rebecca i think are really get my two highest votes but you could you could you could turn me so i'm i'm saving my vote just just yet. okay all right well then i'm gonna i'm gonna steer you uh towards lisa gay again um you know i dylan did do good work for sure but he was for the most part reacting Whereas Lisa Gay was driving 
this whole episode. She drove the episode with her doubt and her her sort of watching her go through the mock trial, having to regroup and get herself ready, and then uh, really took the stage, gave us that West Wing, Wing moment, and both in the courtroom and I think on the show tricked us into thinking her case was much stronger than it was through her delivery of the case. And and so it, it was both the character and the actor giving a, given a lot of heavy lifting to sort of push us through their push us through the you know the incredulity from the from the judge's standpoint but also as an audience she had to sort of like we're going to make this work one way or the other and she really nailed it so okay. i think it's lisa gay personally all right i'm in i'm in all right haha <laughs> we both have a victory here in the oopsies in our litigation uh you know who had a victory in in uh in real life as Last sad minute. and and incredulous though we may be, God damn, he did it again. And uh, that is... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. I mean... It's shark season. Yeah, it's shark season, so everything is about sharks, right? <laughs> um, this uh, week's Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady goes to mm-hmm. Tom Brady wins an appeal... Tom Brady in appellate court with a seven mm-hmm. shark panel. Ooh, okay. Tom Brady in the appellate court. Tom Brady before a, a seven, seven shark, shark appellate panel. Okay. I'm writing them down because it takes me forever to scrub our videos to try to remember who won everything. Uh-huh. Okay. Seven shark appeal court. Okay, great. Very, very good. All right, now it is time for... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Oh, Take yeah. it away. Let's go high def. Slash mm. down my schnoz. Yeah. Um, you know, I was... We talked so much and sang so much in this episode that I was... That I thought it was dragging a little bit because we weren't really moving the plot forward. But then we, like... We really moved the plot forward. In fact, we resolved the kidnapping case, which I didn't know that would happen this episode, and we got Lindsay not out of prison, but back into the courtroom for a second trial. Uh, I thought that there were a lot of... It gave me, in the beginning, a lot of stuff that I really wanted, which was like, let's strategize to get the uh, to get the appeal thing going, and... You know, we got the resolution in the kidnapping case. Let me start there. Let me start there. And I actually, though, I thought I thought the, the interplay between Jimmy and Jamie was very good. Uh, she was more of an observer. And I thought that what was cool about, the, though I thought that it was a little, uh, the resolution is interesting, but I don't know that it feels as earned as Jamie set it up, right? She said that I've been observing this whole time and it seems like you really want to confess. I've been observing it the whole time and I did not get the impression she wanted to confess. I got the impression she wanted to have everything her way, which was, I don't want my daughter to find out, I don't want to get in trouble, but I do want the lady to know and for her to not go. She just wanted a happy, rosy outcome. So, it's a little... I don't, but what I do like about it is that um, 
the the apology scene with Jimmy was really good. And what Jimmy explained to her that it's not just black and white. Sometimes there are, we have to use shades of gray ethically to get where we're going was interesting because they 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 then buttressed that with her using a bit of a gray area ethically by going to the girl's lady's house and convincing her to it. It was cool. I liked that interplay. It felt buttoned up a little quickly, but that seems to be a theme because on the other side, I am blown away that we got the resolution we got already. I guess I see that they want to, I think they might've seen that the appellate process is less furtive dramatically than the courtroom process. I think that they felt maybe a little trapped by it because even that one scene with Rebecca, if I don't know the appellate process very well, but it seems like that's it. You get you you take a swing and then they excuse me, they generally have a chance to question you, which I think goes on a lot longer than we saw in the episode. But outside of that, you know, it was a neat wrinkle that they I don't know that I mean, I guess I'm interested to hear what you have to say about them then kind of faking that beat with Eleanor. Like, we've got it. Like, two episodes, you've told, we've seen that Eleanor fucked up. They all did, but Eleanor's going to take the fall for it. So but then we're going to fake that we're going to turn on you too. Not turn on you, but use you, basically, to for the appeal. That seemed a little... I guess what I'm getting at is it, it rushed is the word. I, I thought the episode mm-hmm. was strong acting-wise. I actually thought some of the writing was great they used a little shorthand. I agree that I don't know that our appellate case was, I don't know that it's as believable. You know, it's funny. I think that Kittleson's antics are more believable still than the appellate, them overturning a conviction that quickly seems, especially, and and, and then I'm disappointed that we still don't have a great, I don't know. As you can tell, I'm a little conflicted on how I feel about the episode. It felt in the beginning, a little placeholder-y, a little treading watery, and then in the end, it felt a little rushed. So, like, for me, what that says to me is that the pacing is off. The pacing felt off. So mm. I feel lukewarm about that as a as a bottled episode. I still like where it ses- sets us up, where we're going, because I'm interested in the case. I hope that my fear is that Rebecca gets cast aside. It does not sound like she's going to try the new case, which no. bothers me. But that's... That's less about spare tires for this episode and more about some problems we've had with their use of Lisa Gay. All told, I'm feeling lukewarm. I'm talking to, I don't want to say six something because I still think it's excellently acted and and pretty well written, well delivered by our cast members. I'm going to say 7.11. Yeah, all right. So I'm going to work B case to A case. Um, I'm going to disagree with you that... uh, this woman's confessing wasn't set up. Okay. Uh, because I think Jamie's, the argument that Jamie made, I thought was really well articulated and I think pretty, pretty definitive in, in my, in my book, because we've talked for two episodes about how reckless this woman has been and the risks that she has taken um, coming forward in the first place, but her showing up in the courtroom of this of this case that's crazy reckless having her daughter there constantly bringing her daughter to the firm then having meetings in her home where her daughter can just walk in go you know and Jamie pointed out she kept going into the firm 
when they said, don't come here, don't associate yourself with it, she was taking risks constantly, risking exposure here and connection with this case. So for me, her recklessness was what Jamie was referring to her subconscious setting herself up to be revealed. Um, and, and so I, I actually thought that made sense. I, I thought that, like, I thought Jamie's supposition about her motives there actually made a fair amount of sense. So that I liked, I liked all of that. I mean, it, the position that Jimmy put himself in strained credulity, but I thought Jamie's resolution of it. Yeah. I thought that made sense. And I, I bet that happens pretty often, um, where people, sort of want to confess. They don't want to hold this secret for the rest of their lives. I kind of get it. Uh, now, on the on the, uh, the the appeal of it all, with Re with Rebecca's case, um, I, th I thought there was, there's a, two things that happened. It's almost like the thinness of Rebecca's case winning didn't make sense to me. But the ineffective assistance of counsel did seem like there was more grounds there. I feel like it would have been better and more realistic to go in better like story, but it would have been much more a little bit more exciting to as opposed to have the uh, Eleanor's having screwed this up be a subplot. That should have been the plot plot. That should have been what she was arguing. I think that would have been much more interesting. And what I thought halfway through this episode was like, oh, okay, so that we're gonna we're gonna try this and realize no, this ineffective assistance is going to be what this is about. And our next episode is going to be about that, where we really sort of, you know, take on take ourselves on. Um, but that's not what's gonna happen because they're gonna retry the case, at which point you know, Eleanor's role in the previous case is now tossed out. It's it's not part of the story anymore. So I really wish we had we had done that. Um, well, imagine but they I do that, right? Imagine they do that, and then by the end of it all, when Lindsay gets out, Lindsay's career is ruined. Eleanor's is ostensibly ruined. At least they both both of their reputations are destroyed. And then what, do you, which, yeah. what women are left? You know, it's Rebecca and New and New well, Girl. but I but I think you I think you can set up a rebuilding arc. You know where they have to start from the ground. You know from from ground zero again, and you have to build and build and build. I I don't know. I think that I think that makes sense. I like that. Uh, but that's not what we're gonna do with uh, with Eleanor at least. But I think you put your finger on it exactly um, with this by saying they didn't build a flaw in the Death Star, and I think in terms of the for the appeal. The, the flaw in the Death Star of Simichevich's case against Lindsay. And this is where I think we are coming across the flaws of the lack of planning from the previous season. That if you're going to do this whole thing, right, you're going to you're gonna convict Lindsay and then you're going to go through an appeals process and try to get her out. If they had planned that, from season six had been planning this throughout season six, they would have built a flaw in the Death Star. They would have built an appealable case that wasn't thin. And if you had been smart about it, you would have built it in so that they wouldn't have thought of it or it would have been hidden. You would have revealed it. But the problem is they didn't write a flaw. So much of it's 
just they won because he put forth a good case and there really wasn't much of a grounds to appeal it. There really wasn't much of a and the problem we're having here too is they didn't build Lindsay much of a defense case. They kind of boxed her into a corner. So uh I think that's just it the thinness of this argument is due to lack of planning from the end of season six. So we're trying to fix it now. And so they they couldn't really come up with a good argument for this appeal. And I think that was the mistake. Yeah, um, now, barring, yeah, like what you're saying, what I see, in, and I'm generally wrong, but barring something I'm not seeing, it seems almost like because of that lack of planning, that lack of the flaw in the Death Star, this time our best hope is not that we win the case, but that Smichovich gets so pissed off or or grossly eager that he loses the case. And that's that's not particularly exciting. Well, I, I, th- well, it could be and exciting, this, the, the, the but... other part that I'm surprised about is we had Jamie come in last episode and lay out the perfect defense for Lindsay, but then we're not, that's not what we're talking about at the end of this episode. I, you know, we may get to it next week and we may end up like basically doing a jury nullification through wink, wink, self-defense, which what they should have done at the very first place. And Jamie articulated that perfectly. And why we just abandoned that, we're talking about insanity or whatever, which is the mistake they made last time. They're just talking through making the same mistake. So I'm assuming at the beginning of next episode, we're going to be like, oh, wait, no, we should do this and make a more coherent defense. But setting us up at this point, it looks like we're about to make the same same dumb, dumb mistakes uh, we made for the last case. Well, let's now let's zoom out a little bit. Sorry, I, I always interrupt you, but let's zoom out. Yes, that has plot implications, but it has it has show implications too. Because whereas this sort of oh no she's guilty is great for a season finale, right? And right. this oh uh, for tension, and this oh we have to the appeals process. We have to now appeal that and work our way through the appellate system is great for resolving that. Now we're basically saying, well, we're going to redo a season finale type arc at the beginning of a new season when we've already gone through all of the debate of what our strategy should be and everything. So we, we kind of neuter ourselves for this second go. And it's like, this is what I was just saying a few minutes ago. Save Schmitzwitz being a, I, can't, I pronounce his name different every single every time, time. Every time. Um, save him being like a, a monster or some crazy new uh, wrinkle getting thrown in. We are literally now going to just do a redo we're literally retconning it that's it's well, it's well but here's here's where you have an opportunity so now if we're gonna if we're gonna retry Lindsay, now we have to find a way both in in canon to find a way to win this time but out of canon from the writer's standpoint how do you not only find a way to win but how do you make it different and how do you and how do you not just replay what happened. So I'm excited to see how they go about this uh, moving forward. So, you know, all in all, the, the weird thing is, as I just sort of picked apart this from a meta standpoint, uh, I, I liked this episode. I thought it was I thought it was really good. And so um, on the oopsies, we're rating these one episode at a time. So I can't punish this episodes for the failing of previous episodes. That's what we do in the season oopsies. So uh, 
so I I actually like this one more than you did. Um, as as we go to black, uh, we I I think I'm gonna give this episode almost a full more than a full tire better than yours. I'm gonna give it eight point one five wow. because uh, because the logical inconsistencies are not the fault of this episode. I thought it was a. I was compelled. I was interested. I loved the Jimmy Holland Taylor scene. That that really added it for me. The Jimmy Jamie scene was great too. We really are finding a way to write Jimmy better now. Yeah, well, and I, I mean, I, I thought Jimmy's weird antagonism, antagonism at the beginning was forced and bad, but then he explained it, and that made sense too. So, I don't know. I, I, I liked it. I liked it better than I should have. Uh, and perhaps I'm being too generous, but I'm into it. So uh, anyway, it is time to move on to our Easter egg. And uh, it should be pretty straightforward what it is. Uh, got no scrubs. Scrub is a guy who can't get no love from me. Right? Is that scrub lady down there? Yes, it is. That is a Lomo right as Nurse Laverne on Scrubs here uh, joining the cast, giving us her iconic Look down the barrel of the glasses and judge. So uh, there we are. Okay. Well, uh, there we. I don't know why we just snapped, but we but we did it. We are here. Uh, let me just let me just find. Here we go. There Stop. we go. Well, folks, you have gotten through another long and musical episode of the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to submit your own songs. To the Out of Practice Podcast, you can reach us by email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram faster than Mike can find the slide at Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, while you're there, while Mike is still searching for that slide, you can leave us a rating and review. Ooh, <laughs> puberty on Apple Podcasts and join the jury. We'll happily read your comments and now he's going too fast. <laughs> We'd like to thank our founding sponsors, Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Rice, and Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Ooh. Did you know that I was just being inconsistent with the pacing, much like the episode of The Practice? Ah. But you can be consistent with your contributions to the show. Make them monthly, make them one time, make them... At least once, and you can do that by clicking the links <laughs> in the show notes, or just let a friend know to watch our Star Trek show, because that's all people do. At the end of the day, I want you to be really, really rude to me, and then apologize for it, and make up to it by shooting off some very polite and conciliatory laser sounds. Laser sounds! It was a musical, see? Oh, yeah.